Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Fashion Month edition of the Glossy Podcast, where we've got interviews with designers and insiders running throughout Fashion Month. I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief Jill Manoff, and we're recording at Showfields, which has a new location in Williamsburg. So thanks to Showfields for letting us use their space. I'm here with Abrima Urbia and Rosario Dawson, co-founders of Studio 189. This yes. is going well already. <laughs> I love them. We'll have so much fun today. They've got a New York fashion show happening this Sunday. Studio 189 has collaborated with brands like J. Crew and media properties like the Black Panther Films. It's won a CFDA award for sustainability. I mean, the list goes on and on. You guys are killing it. Welcome. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Great way to kick off Fashion Month. Like yes. That. Tell me, this is not your first rodeo. You've had a presence at Fashion Week before. Tell me about that. We... Uh, we started at the Lower East Side Girls Club, actually, mm -hmm. which is really exciting. Rosario grew up on the Lower East Side. 189 Avenue A was born on the Lower East Side. Mm -hmm. um, I that's, our moved, yeah, that's our name. That's our name. No, I mean, it was beautiful. It was a time when, like, we're both New Yorkers. We're both born and raised. And we were trying to figure out how to bring people together and work as community and be in community and work as a studio with different creative talents. I was at 189 Avenue A. Rosario grew up around like your first. No, when I actually first moved to the Lower East Side, because I'm from Coney Island originally, when I I think I was like six when we moved to Lower East Side, and we lived at 199 Avenue A. So it yeah. was very good. good. It, it felt there. good, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you know her family, they, most of them live very close by, right down the block, right yeah. down the block. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was really beautiful. And then Rosario, who's been on the board of the Lower East Side Girls Club since. I mean, for years, I, it was actually after I moved out, moved from New York, and because I had been volunteering and working with them for a long time. And then when we actually created our building, which was our first like real proper brick and mortar space, um, and I helped with fundraising and all of that, they were like, you have to be on the board. And I was like, I don't live there anymore. And she, <laughs> it was like, we, we, we wanted to recognize you. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been a really beautiful, special relationship and, and one that we've been able to lean into because they just, the values and their whole energy is very in keeping with ours. And at our, you know, at our earliest moments when we didn't have all the funding in the world to be able to do a huge, big presentation, it gave us this space to invite people people and start that work of what it is to present and showcase um, and do it among family in an incredible space. I mean, it's 30,000 square feet of awesomeness on Avenue D. If anyone wants to go and support the Lower East Side Girls Club, please do. They've got an Airstream on the second floor. They've got a planetarium. Like, oh, it's not a rec room space. This is free programming for girls on the, on the Lower East Side for free. That is just just some of the most incredible things you've ever experienced, like anybody could ever experience. So, right and part of it is you have the, they have a fashion area and we help to bring in a lot of different collaborators who've worked with them since over the years, which has been really incredible. And I think that's a big, huge part of what we do at Studio 189. It's not just what we present and the fashion that we make, but it's the family, the community, and it's the education, it's the training it's the scholarship. And so that was a really important inception for us. And what was nice about being there is like it allowed us to set our intentions, you know, because that's we're very intentional about what we're doing and we're very community driven. And, you know, a lot of the work we're doing is in Ghana and is in West Africa. And we, I like to say for me, Ghana is the heartbeat. It's, you know, it's very spiritual. It's very human. Uh, and we need to tap into that same that same spirit in New York. 
Um, and the Lower East Side Girls Club has that, you know, it's, it's, they did it themselves, you know, like they created yeah. this space when space was not created for them. And so being able to translate the vision there in that space and them welcoming us was really powerful. But I remember that first show that we did, um, you know, like Studio 29 was, was born also when Rosario, like the catalyst was Rosario invited me to the Democratic Republic of the Congo at the City of Joy with V-Day, who she also sits on the board. But it was a really powerful trip for both of us and for me because it was for, um, they had built the city for women who had been the victim of rape and sexual violence where it's prevalent in the Congo. But again, the women built the city themselves. And uh, V, formerly Eve Insler, used to talk about turning your pain to power. And for that to me really touched me because we've all been through much but she's talking about turning your pain to power. And it's just, it's something we can all, at least I can relate to, Rosario can relate to. And I think, I think most people should be able to relate to that. But um, so, you know, in 2013, she said one in three women will be raped and sexually violated. And she asked for a billion people to take a stance against sexual violence and to rise and to be in her power. Rosario mm -hmm. shared this message with me. I thought, you know, do you know any people who work in our supply chain are women, like the informal economy, they're women, you know, they're yeah. working in cottage industry. They're not seen, you don't know their names, you don't know their faces, but they're doing the work. They're the reason why the, the engine moves. And a lot of them have been through different types of trauma, but what if we told a different story of Africa? I'm speaking specifically of Africa. What if we didn't have to focus always on those stories and we told a wider story of all the glorious beauty that comes from there, all the incredible work, the craftsmanship, the creativity, the talent, and so that was the message, but also recognizing that this is also part of the story. And I'm saying that to say at the Lower East Side Girls Club, that first presentation was powerful for me because at the time, and we were broke, we had three <laughs> models yep. and we had to beg for those three models. And I remember at the end of it, and we're really good friends with them. And at the end of the presentation, and we wanted to talk about why we existed, why we created it. And they were like, the model wranglers were pulling. They have to go. Yeah, they have, they have to, to go. go. We only promised we them only, for so long. They have to yeah. go. And we were like, please just give us five minutes. We just want to explain why we're here. And I remember I said something like, you know, one in three. One in three, you know, women will be raped and sexually violated. I'm saying that to say that, you know, one of them said to me, and this is her story, and she doesn't mind me sharing it, which is why I'm saying it. She said to me, one in three. And she said, I'm one in three. And she said, my best friend is from Ghana. And she's worked with us since then. And another one of the models has worked with us since then. And I'm saying that because, you know, it really dawned on me, and this was early into Studio 189, that you really don't know what's going on in the lives of people. Mm -hmm. The fashion industry is a beautiful, wonderful, incredible industry, but it's such a large industry and it, and it feels so magnificent, but there are real people doing real work. And when she said one in three to me, and, I, you know, I was saying the statistic like a number, but yeah. she's absolutely right. There were three models and she said one in three. And I was like, oh, my God, mm -hmm. you know, and, and also oh. because the model wranglers were pulling her, she didn't get a chance to be in her power. And what she said to me, she had been on the phone with her mother the whole time and she was crying because she could she could do her work but stand in her power. And that was the thing that, that for me was the click. Like I knew and I understood what we were now doing. Mm -hmm. I knew it before, but I knew it differently that at that moment, and still to this day, the people that work with us through the ups and the downs of the pandemic, the challenges and all the things that happened, they're showing up as themselves yeah. in their full form. And that to me is what's so special about COA9 and also uh, reflecting that into Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, we hear a lot about brands describing themselves as a brand with purpose, but 
you're doing so much. I feel like it's like built in. It's your DNA, not only also on the sustainability front, you're breaking some, I want to say like, I don't know, boundary. You're, you're doing more <laughs> than others. Um, tell me like a, achieving all that you want with the brand and selling fashion. T- tell me about the balance of it. Um, you don't just want to be pushing product. That's not what this is about. How would you describe it? Well, I guess that's a lot of big part of why we also describe ourselves as slow fashion. Like yes. we are not trying to sell billions of pieces and like oversaturate the market and understanding how it the, the full cycle of it just have our stuff worn for one for you know one occasion and then tossed away into a dumpster and you know put into you know um, you know and, and made into trash that inevitably goes onto the shores of the same places we were working in. Um, so we're that's a big part of the narrative is talking about, you know, the, this, this quality. And I remember, you know, having these conversations with Abrima and, and visiting with her when she was working for Bottega and, and, you know, she had been working with Hermes and she was living in Italy. She speaks Italian and French. She's very fancy. Abrima. Can um, we say something fancy? No, just kidding. Just, I won't put you on the spot. She's very fancy. She could say something not fancy and it still would sound fancy. Um, but, you know, and just really looking at the impact, you know, that the artisans and the seamstresses and the tailors have in their communities in Italy because over the years they've had that infrastructure and they've had that investment and they've had that market share that has allowed people to immediately, when they see something made in Italy handmade, that it is of quality and that it is good and worth a higher ticket price. And so in a lot of ways, some of some of those fashion high brands are doing pretty exclusive pieces, not doing too much. And so there was something about that that we really, that resonated with us and understanding, well, why is something handmade here with all of the collections that are made from these big brands that are African inspired, but no money actually gets to Africa with all of the materials and everything that's extracted from there. But again, that benefit not actually reaching those shores and but seeing what how beneficial it can be for the people who do get to add that access. We just it just it changed, you know, it it, it galvanized us and what we could do. And so being sustainable, being ethical about it is, is, is not just in the fact that we upcycle and we'd have, you know, we don't waste any of that stuff. It's, it's also just a relationship. We're very clear that we are working with the people that we work with, that this is not charity. And we're very much is about what are the narrative shift that we want to put there and saying, what is, why do we value certain things and not and how can we change that conversation and and sit with people so that you know you know who made your clothes and that everyone is valued along that supply chain including the consumer as you know we were speaking offline just before we started um, this conversation about, you know, there's a real pushback that's been happening very clearly in many years now, but specifically right now that is, you know, talking about climate change, talking about, you know, what we're doing with our waste, talking about what we're making, how it's being made, and, you know, and really the life cycle of all of this stuff and the impact that it has for generations. And, you know, you can argue about the way that people are making that argument, but I think the argument itself is really worth getting into. And um, so there's, for the idea that for brands to make that shift and pivot, 
is too challenging for them later in the game doesn't make because maybe the consumer doesn't want it. That work's already been done. That's a big part of what we've been trying to do and model. But obviously, we're doing it on a small scale. We need these larger brands to be able to do that. And our success, I think, helps people to have the vision to understand that making that pivot is actually not going to cost them their bottom line and that the consumer is actually really demanding it. Um, And so their audience is there, um, which maybe wouldn't have been true if you you know, just a few years ago, but yeah. like, you know, but I think making that pivot actually would be very smart um, for for a lot of these brands. And I, and I think that's actually really exciting because when we yeah. first started, we were, you know, told that we needed to do it a different way if we wanted to see any kind of success. And I think we've been able to prove that differently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I struggle with making clothes, mm-hmm. like from a, I don't know if an existential point of view, like I struggle with it. Like I'm, a, I'm, I'm an excellent salesperson, but also I'm terrible because I'll be like, "Do you really need that? Like, <laughs> you know, like, do you are you sure? Like, don't you already have one that looks just like that? You know, and but I mean, I could sell it to you, but like, do you really need it? You know, and but then I, I then I think about you know, like, to Rosario's point, it's not the if we should do it, it's the how we do it. Like there has to be a space that exists. Because people are still going to wear clothes and clothes do something. You know, fashion does a lot, especially, I mean, really just for everybody. It it changes the way you show up in the world. It changes the way you show up to the interview, your dates, your whatever, like whatever your outfit is, it makes it your office. It makes a difference, you know, so it's to to pretend that people all of a sudden are going to stop wearing and or buying or keep the, it's not going to happen. But how do we do that? Can we can we relook at the person who made it? Can we recognize that they might have made it under circumstances where there's a poor access to water? So what Rosario's talking about is that connection between the consumer and like do you, so when we ask the question, do you really need it? It's not that you shouldn't have it, yes. but but think about what it's doing. So like if one t-shirt is two years of drinking water, would you rather have two years of drinking water or would you rather have the t-shirt? Or would you like to change how you how you make the t-shirt or how long you keep the t-shirt or would you like to have a t-shirt that can be passed down for several generations so you maintain the water so it's really it's it's like it's just shifting the perspective on how we're doing things as a, as a society mm-hmm. is i think the role that we're trying to to kind of slide into and cuz the industry goes so very fast you know but like we're seeing the effects of climate change. i mean it's like like, come on, it's obvious. Like, let's think about this. Like, you know, and that's that's kind of what we're we're trying to do. And honestly, even to say that, like climate change has become such a trigger word for people. It's like people all we, we can argue or or not about that, but you can't argue about pollution. Like pollution right. is just pollution. <laughs> and when you're making these leather bags or t-shirts with toxic you know, leather bags with plastic to give it a coating. So now it's not going to biodegrade like it naturally would have. Or, you know, your the T-shirts that you're doing to raise funds for, you know, women's shelter or whatever, but it's made with inorganic cotton and it's printed with toxic kind of chemicals. Like you're helping and hurting at the same time. And maybe let's have a conversation about that and start opening the space in a way where you don't have to compromise your vision. You can actually 100% lean into your values and, and again, not feel like you're, you're sacrificing style yes. or any of those other things too, which in the beginning, understandably, like the materials, the infrastructure just really wasn't there in a space. And it's like, you felt like, well, I want to be fashionable 
and I want to be conscious, but like, I don't want to wear this scratchy, uncomfortable, like, you know, so all of these things have been developing and upgrading. And, and I think particularly in this moment, especially after 2020 and the pandemic, and you saw every industry pretty much worldwide shut down and pivot, there is no longer now the excuse that any person will accept that we can't change. Because we just watched everything change on a dime. And so we know that there's a possibility there. And that actually makes it very exciting. An exciting time. For sure. You're dropping a lot of facts that are going to stick in my head for a very long time. (laughs) The one in three, the two years of water. Like, I think that there's, because you are a brand with a purpose and you have a strong reason for being, um, you're marketing and that balance of putting out um, an inspiring style image that people want to shop, but also... Yes. What, how much, um, education is too much, like even on the runway and at the fat at, at your show on Sunday, like, how are you able to get your message through while models are walking the run- runway or on, uh, on a presentation? Um, what will we see from this conversation in that event? I would say. I think what we try to do when it comes to our shows, but we also do this with the collection, you know, is at the base of all that, it's all there. Like all the, you know, cause that's what it should be, right? Like you should, as a consumer, hope and pray that the person who's making it has already thought about it for you. Like if I walk into a yes. building, I don't want to know that it's gonna fall down. I would like to believe <laughs> that all the checks have been done or at least you tried your best and this place is safe. You know, yes. like so it's the same thing. Like if I'm buying something, please, please, Tell me that you tried for me, you know? And so like, I think what, what it is, is like, we try to do all that. So we drop the statistics, the education, all of that stuff, but then it should just be fun. It should just be fun and it should just be beautiful and you should, it should be joyful and you should be celebrating. And like, that is what you see. Like you see the energy of joy and celebration. And then yes, interwoven, you see, you see it every time in our, you know, diversity and casting and, you know, inclusivity. We try to think through different scenarios I can't give away too much, but you know, you see it in how we present the world of Studio 189. Yeah. But it, it it needs to be gorgeous and you need to covet it and you need to desire it because otherwise it'll be this really great idea that we had that nobody wants. Yeah. In which case, is it sustainable if you're making stuff that nobody wants? No. Yes. On that front, mm-hmm. um, is do you see Fashion Week as a commerce, a sales opportunity? Do you go by the see now, buy now model, or just in, in terms of people need to really love it or it has to sink in. I hear from some brands and designers where we don't do see now, buy now because people need to uh, let it simmer or like they're not even ready to purchase it. They don't realize they want it for like a couple of weeks or they don't, I don't know. See now, buy now. Is that a thing? For me, it feels like a little bit of both, but, um, or maybe not a little bit, but a lot of both, you know, because yeah. I think you obviously, again, you want people to be excited about it. This is our opportunity to present. We don't do every single, you know, kind of fashion week everywhere. Yep. Um, you know, it's really expensive and, you know, it takes a lot. I don't people, I don't think people realize how much it goes into these shows because they're 10, 15, 20 minutes long. But it's quite a lot, you know, but it's an opportunity to present, you know, what our team can do um, and to also better understand what people do want to buy and what people are interested in. And kind of it's 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 a major part of our of our narrative and our promotion. But your Super Bowl. It's our Super Bowl moment. It is. No, but it's the space for both. Like both matter. You know, the reason there's a reason why you're showing it. 
because you have to make it. So like, it can't be ready now because you have to make it. So like, you have to show it so we can make it. But I also think there is a space for Sina by now. You know, I think that's way more consumer driven. And I think we have to put the customer first. So I, I think there's a space for everything. Mm-hmm. I think that one side is more for the producer, on my, mm-hmm. at least for our point of view, because we need to actually make it. How do I know what to make? And I don't want to make things for no reason. So we have to present it first. But I think from the consumer side, if there's something that we believe you might like. So in our case, so we're launching an initiative with Yahoo around voting and activism. So that that to me is very clear and intentional. So we did make product. We made product using dead stock materials. We used leftovers. We made handmade notebooks using leftover, um, I don't like to use the word scraps, but leftover materials in smaller yeah. quantities. Great. Um, it's, yeah, it's really beautiful. And then we made a really great t-shirt that's hand printed, et cetera. So that is something that's actionable. And then there's a call to action, which is a conversation on voter access and participation with the proceeds. A third of one of Rosario's organizations, actually. Who also has a space at the Lori Said Girls Club. Like, I like, you know, everybody working together. It's, it's, we're team building. We're team. Um, but yeah, Vota Latino, I, I co-founded when I was 24. And that's just trying to mobilize people to get excited about, and specifically Latinos, to get them running for office, voting, and participating more. So the proceeds right of this project will go to Vota Latino and Vote Writers, and it's in collaboration with Yahoo. Yeah. Um, so great. I think that's product with intention. It's really well done. It's beautiful. And then the other product, you'll see it in the spring when it comes out. Yeah. Okay. That makes good sense. Well, it's not, you're doing a lot of great collaboration and you're doing a lot of things right. Um, <laughs> when it comes to collaborating with other brands, is that our brands increasingly maybe coming to you, tapping your yes? Oh, yes. Yeah. So thank you for shouting that out because it's oh, exciting. You know what I mean? I think, you know, a, it's based on different relationships we've had, but it's also been, it's based on you know, how we've grown and developed and kind of shown ourselves to be a trusted partner on the other side. And, and having that again, talking about that, like, you know, being able to just see it and buy now, I think, you know, we need those orders, you know, we want at the end of the day, we want to have the team that is working so hard be, and that's what they're asking us to, to get them orders so that they can continue taking care of their kids and growing themselves. And so, you know, it's it's been really wonderful when we have these different collaborations because it gives us some really clear markers to meet and and kind of, you know, again, because we're so small, it gives us an infrastructure to be able to tap in and a distribution model and all of these other things that helps us to kind of, you know, explore those spaces without necessarily having to front the entire back end, you know, and I think that's really critical and a great way for these different brands to explore what we're doing in sustainability and and and, and the quality of it and, and kind of having a different conversation as they're pivoting. So it's been a really beautiful, I think, relationship that we've been able to have with a couple of different folks who keep coming on board, which is awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Would you say you have um, a goal for the show this Sunday? What is the intent? What is the yeah, high level goal. If it, if all goes according to plan, this will come out of it. Uh, I think it is joy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's like, cause that's the driver, right? Like that's what gets people to show up. That's what yeah. gets people to show up late hours, fashion week really eats into our summer, you know, <laughs> or coming in on a Sunday. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's love and it's joy and, you know, the biggest thing is like it's legacy, you know, like it, I think a lot of people do it. They do it for their kids. 
They do it for the future. So their kids watch them do this work and they, they're they they're like, oh my God, their mom is like killing it. You know, like, yes. and they see this and they see the reaction and when people like it, then they understand why it's important. I can, you know, sometimes you'll have people who their families are like, why do you have to do that? And then they see the show and then they see the reaction and they're like, we completely understand. We understand why this matters. We understand the mission and we fully support you. And that level of energy since we've started, there's like thousands now. And it becomes this interconnected network of people who are in different jobs now, but they're they're doing well and they're paying it forward. And now they get a call and they do this. It's a kind of like little joke that they do between each other. They're like, did Abrima call you? What's the mission? <laughs> what is she asking you to do? <laughs> and they're like, fashion week. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. It still has this like a fast. It's so fascinating to be part of Fashion Week. Yeah. Like you'll do it next season too, no matter what. Mm, Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> no, Fashion Week has been good to us. Yeah. We're blessed. You know, like the CFDA has been really, you know, yeah, really great with us. Yeah. IMG, New York Fashion Week, but like they they've understood what we're trying to do and they help us get there. And that's like, and I mean that from the heart, like even when no one is looking, they're like, is everything okay? Is it hard? You know, like they really support us. I, you know, I've, I, I know we have a fashion family. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been cool because for a lot of folks who've been watching the show, you can even watch a lot of them grow up because we've had always different kids who performed or walked or even like pregnant moms walking down. (laughs) So we, you know, like that family is literally growing in front of people's eyes, which is really cool. Amazing. Well, you guys, this has been fantastic. I think I kept you over time, but oh. this was a lovely conversation. <laughs> I'm excited to see yeah. Yeah. You could have just cha cha cha. <laughs> we have to awesome. get to fittings. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we could enough, time. but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a million for being Thank here. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.